this week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. He just had a house full of porn. That's all I know. What? Welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo. We're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watch season seven, episode 18 of both shows, starting with Gilmore Girls, Hay Bale Maze. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Dirty Girls. I think these were both pretty good. With yeah. Maybe some, some things to talk about. Yeah, some big plot stuff I think is happening in both of them. Mm-hmm. But um, I think they were both good. I'm just going to yeah. say it now. They're both pretty good. This should be at this point, right? Yeah. We have only four episodes left to watch, Brian. I know, man. This is insane. I'm worried about it. What are we going to do? We'll get into five-star reviews in a moment, but our reviews are getting sentimental, man. Yeah. Some of it, they were emotional as they were writing it. I haven't gotten emotional yet in my life. I haven't reached emotions, but... Stacy's a robot like Data, and she hopes to have emotions someday. I feel like things never hit me in the moment very well, but it is starting to feel real that this yeah. won't be our lives pretty soon. And this is how I define myself, so. I, kind of. For the last three years, this has been like our big project. Yeah. Again, we're going to continue to do something, but like specifically this format has sort of been a huge part of our lives for the last three years, so now we're going to have to figure yeah. out how it evolves. Okay, what updates do we have? We, watched we have a show. big one. We have a thing about Buffy and Gilmore Girl crossover, and we have something that happened in our building. Which should we start with? Let's start with the one relevant to the podcast. Let's start with which one crossover. is the big one in your opinion? <laughs> the the one we're starting with. Okay, a listener pointed out that in the episode Storyteller, when Buffy goes to school and everything's crazy, there's a guy whose head explodes. We joked about how nonchalant she was about that, but that kid is the same actor that plays Colin in Gilmore Girls. Yeah, we didn't catch that. And he does look so different yeah. when you watch him in the Buffy episode. I wouldn't have caught it. He looks very different. It's only like two years apart. Yeah. He seems tall. I don't think of him as a super tall dude, but I think he's just surrounded by short actors. Yeah, he looks much different, but it is him. IMDb confirmed. So thank you. And now that I know that it's Colin, like I get why Buffy doesn't care that he's dead. Do you hate Colin? Colin's a bad man. Yeah, you're right. So is Finn, but Finn is funnier. Finn is the superior friend. I feel like Finn would be like, listen, I know I'm a bad person. I'm upfront about that. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's like, listen, this is who I am. Colin is more like manipulative, like sociopath. Like, he brought that girl home from overseas and then got like bored with her and tried to like leave her places. Like, that's awful. Yeah, who knows where she is now? She's a bringer now. It's pretty messed up. <laughs> so that's that. What should we move on to now? The show we watched or? Let's do show. Okay, the show Save we drama for last is called Jury Duty. You may have heard of it. It's on Freebie, but it's also on Amazon Prime. We binged it all within like three or four days, maybe. It's only like eight half hour episodes. The premise is they're making a documentary about a jury. So normally there wouldn't be camera crews, but that's the justification for why they're cameras. But it's all fake. Everyone's an actor except one dude <laughs> thinks it's real. Everyone else is like improvising fully in character. They kind of know like what things are supposed to happen, but there's no script. 
And it's pretty fun. It's a little flawed. There's things I could find fault with, but we enjoyed ourselves immensely. So Yeah, I think it's a pretty enjoyable watch. If you're looking for a quick bingeable show, we recommend. Nothing like either of the shows we are talking about in this podcast. Yeah, and we're in the middle of so much other stuff that we should be watching, but we just took a break from all that and binged this. Yeah, check it out. Also, I should mention that I'm getting over a cold, because when am I not sick or damaged or bruised in some way? When did it show up? Were you sick when we recorded the last one? I think you maybe were just starting to be. Yeah, so I don't know if it came through or not, but I, I have a cold. Well, I'm at the tail end of it. It's mostly just draining now. So if my voice sounds weird, uh, that's why. Also, I was born with a weird voice, so it could be either of those. If you've been wondering why he sounds that way the last three years, <laughs> it's because he was born with a weird voice. I've been draining for years. Uh, so we're, <laughs> let's talk about the drama. I was not privy to most of this. this well, is... let's, we'll start with the part you're privy to. So every day for the last week. I wasn't even privy to that. I've been missing this part. Right. I told you about it, though. Yes. For the last week, I've been getting up at like nine. Keep in mind, guys, I know if some of you like that's not early at all. I work late. I start my job at 1 p.m. I stop my job at 11 p.m. So I'm more of a night person because of my job than in the morning. And I now start my job at 830. So I'm gone by nine. Yeah. I tend to sleep into like 11 ish if I can. Anyway been getting up at nine every day because some dude has been pounding a hammer on the wall, like the whole side of our apartment. Yeah, like below us, essentially? Like yeah. Our exterior wall. Our exterior wall is like sort of like it goes down and there's like sort of like a behind the building area where they keep trash and the super keeps tools for stuff. And there's like a bomb shelter down there. It, it doesn't matter. The guy is like fixing the siding. I don't know exactly what's happening, but he's like using a hammer to take off all the other drywall i don't know what it is it's it looks like concrete down the side it's just yeah the concrete facade he's been like taking it all off with a hammer and then when that's done he was gonna go over it again and like fix it but it's just the most annoying like for two three hours every day he just hammers on the wall and there's no way to sleep or do anything during that it's awful it was really annoying i woke up yesterday again at nine because the pounding starts stacy's still here this was a saturday but I was getting up to go somewhere. But we're like shocked that they're still doing it on the weekend as well because that's yeah. for sleeping. And I get that it's this guy's job, but I was just tired. I was like, oh, this guy sucks, man. I wish he would just stop. Did you wish that to a genie? <laughs> I wished it. I just I just was talking to Willow about it, and she was like, yeah, mm. I wish that too. And then it happened. Uh, I just, all of a sudden, I hear some police officers outside telling the guy to like stay calm and not move and I'm like what what's happening right now where is this coming from it's like right out right outside our window he's being held by some police officers i guess that some woman had something stolen i'm not exactly quite sure and it had an air tag on it air tags are these things that if you don't know you can trace with your phone and people use it sometimes to like find stolen merchandise so if they have something really expensive they'll put this little air tag on it and then they can track it if someone steals it i think it's also to like Make sure you don't lose your keys. Right, but you can use it for multiple different things. But yeah, so it's it for like could be that someone lost their purse and their keys were in it. Absolutely. And they traced it that way. But they traced it, and I guess it traced it to this dude. It was very difficult to make out what they were saying, but like the cop just kept saying, yeah, you're admitting to a crime right now. Yes, just you're admitting. Stop. You probably shouldn't be saying any of this. <laughs> and uh, they took him away. Part of me was like, did I do this? <laughs> did I make this guy get arrested? Did you mean you were talking to Anya? You said to Willow. Well, I was referencing the episode where her will be done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yeah, I wish is very much more an Anya thing. So good on you for keeping the canon correct. Good Anya. <laughs> nice. Good pun. You're funny and clever. Thank you so much. That Brian. sounded sarcastic, but I meant it. 
I really love you. You're a great partner. So anyway, uh, so that guy got taken away, and the pounding hasn't stopped. So that's great. It hasn't resumed. I love it. You mean it has stopped? You said it hasn't stopped. Yeah, and so I, it, it wasn't even him. What the hell was <laughs> doing it? I go outside. There's a giant woodpecker that likes concrete. And Terrifying. A purse that it stole. <laughs> yeah, the cops were like, "I'd rather go after this guy than that pterodactyl-looking thing." So anyway, that was just a funny, and it just I was like, "Oh, I did this," and I got to sleep in today. It was wonderful. And I've never seen any of this, so it could all be a fever dream that Brian had because he's sick. Well, what's really funny about that, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up, guys. What's really funny is I, I asked my super about it. Normally not a chatty man. Very not chatty. Mostly throws trash and breaks holes in walls. Not charismatic either, okay? Mm-mm. He's just like a sort of sexist dude. <laughs> <laughs> just because of some of his commentary. Not so much that you're just like, stop it, dude. But enough, like that's a, some light misogyny in there that's sprinkled in. But he just came alive telling us about this story. He t- yeah, we, we were like, like trying to leave. And he's like, and like more, he's smiling. He's got more to say about it. I was like, do we have to invite him in for a beer or something? Yeah, it was crazy. We legitimately thought about having him on the podcast because, I mean, he's been he's on, on the podcast. every yeah. episode. We want him to tell you about breaking down that wall because that 100% happened and it was insane. Anyway, that's all our news. I'm sorry, guys. You're all caught up. I might have broke my toe, but that's unrelated. Now let's talk about these five-star reviews. Yeah, let's talk about them. We have some. That's the headline. Nice. From Apple Podcasts, thank you so much to Amber Kathleen 89 from Canada, 2015 Trish, and from Italy, Gioia Random. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From Facebook, thank you to Maggie Hart. Thank you. From Podcast Addict, thank you to Biker Chi. Thank you. And from Spotify, thank you to Karen Barr. Thank you. Karen Barr has pointed out that Buffy has established in the past that vampires can be photographed. Yes. In the episode Helpless, where that dude takes a bunch of Polaroids of him and Joyce. A lot of them are of just Joyce, but the one that he sends to Buffy to get her to come is of both of them. It's a little selfie. I did some research. Polaroid cameras do use mirrors. So unless there's some science here I'm not understanding, this may be a mistake in the show. Yeah, probably. I mean... Also, we've legit seen their like reflections accidentally in mirrors yeah. and glass. But thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, thanks. Well, should we dive into that hay bale maze? I think we should do it. All right. This week we started with Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell us all about hay bale maze. Okay, so this episode is all about Taylor Dozy's childhood dream becoming a reality. Yeah. Also, it's about Logan and Lorelai and... Rory and her job. Sure. And Rory and Logan. There's a lot going on in this episode, man. Mm-hmm. Definitely like late season episode. We're like, we got a lot of plot stuff. We got to start stringing together. Whereas Buffy's like, we should introduce some new plot stuff. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on. But it, it does mostly revolve around Taylor's childhood fantasy. So it is time for the Spring Fling Festival once again in Stars Hollow. Have they had that before? I Have they? I don't know. There's always some kind of fling. I, there's so many like town things. I don't remember any of them anymore. They have done some more than once, like the firelight, but uh, I can't right. remember if there's been a spring fling. But I can't remember a specific spring fling one. As I mentioned, off screen before the episode, Taylor Dosey sort of tricked the town into letting him run a giant hail bale mate. Oh boy. Taylor Dosey has sort of tricked the town into letting him run a hail bale. Oh no. This is vow renewal 2.0. He's tricked them into letting him run a hay bale maze. You got to say this phrase quite a few times, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, it's going to be rough with all this drainage. (laughs) 
he gave like an impassioned speech and like was crying. So they all agreed to it because this is his childhood fantasy. He's always wanted to go to a hay bale maze. Even though he's allergic to hay. Yes. More on that later, but that's a very important part of the episode that I want to get up, up front. So at the end, they're getting all set up for the influx of tourists coming for the Spring Fling Festival. Michelle and Suki are snipping at each other, as always, fighting over the gift baskets. Michelle made the pamphlet that goes inside with the itinerary, and she, of course, made the food, and they're trying to decide which is more important for the presentation. Their snipping is pretty funny. At some point, Michelle starts saying stuff like, whatever, and Suki's like, that's like an old phrase. No one says that anymore. It's like, whatever, I'm Audi 5000. It's pretty (laughs) funny. He also mentions that there was an empty part of their schedule where they didn't have anything, so he just wrote in bird watching tours, and Lorelai's like, but what if someone wants to do that? He's like... Who wants to watch birds? I just want to say uh, birds are cool, man. All right. You haven't bird watched, but I feel like you would. Yeah. I mean, it seems I feel like, like you're on a path towards being a bird watching old man. I think for sure when I'm an old man, I'll be watching birds, especially that bird that's like outside of our apartment that loves concrete. <laughs> Michelle, by the way, is not on board about the hay bale maze. He thinks it's stupid. And like who would do, it's like bird watching him. Like who would want to do that? He wants the traditional things. Uh, And he's not alone on this, but uh, more on that later. Logan, meanwhile, now estranged from his father and his father's money, is broke and crashing at Rory and Paris' apartment, much to Paris' annoyance. I want to point out, she's really mad at Logan in this episode, but, like, she, like, set up a whole contract about what he can and can't use when he's there and how he'll reimburse them. So it's, like, kind of insane to me that she would be giving him any grief because he's, like, paying her to be there. Right. But surprise, surprise, he polished off a carton of milk. Yeah, so she's very upset because he (laughs) drank all of her milk. Makes sense. Boy loves milk. Yeah, we have set up and joked about (laughs) how he seemingly puts massive amounts of cream in his coffee in a couple of scenes. Or he puts just like a drop of coffee into his milk. So we've joked that he loves milk. And this scene just confirms it, I guess. (laughs) Dude loves milk. He's polishing off. A friend's milk supply. He was having cereal, to be fair, but still. We don't see what happened before that cereal. That's true. We don't know. Most of it's not in his coffee cup. Yeah. Paris has his whole milk system, which is dumb, admittedly. Where it's, she it's has very dumb. It's too much 2% milk. milk for cereal and like full milk for other stuff and skim milk for baking. And then she's also got lactate milk for Doyle, who's lactose sensitive. But he's apparently like ashamed and in denial of the fact that he's lactose sensitive. Like he's like, I'm not lactose insensitive. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's pretty good Doyle. I don't know why anyone would be like embarrassed about it. It's just a thing. Like I, I admit that me drinking milk straight up equals fart city. Like that's just true. <laughs> and that was on his Tinder profile. Yes. That's how I did so well. <laughs> we guys together pretend. So <laughs> luckily I didn't. Then I went on Tinder <laughs> and did very well for myself. Milk equals shits, baby. So Doyle is like, I'm not. But the joke is, of course, that he is lactose intolerant. Because at the end of the scene, he gets up and he's like, oh, that cereal did a number on it. <laughs> so funny. You know what's really funny about this, though? And I've, I think I've talked about this. When I was a kid and I didn't know I was lactose intolerant, I just thought I couldn't eat breakfast. Breakfast yeah. made me sick. Because every breakfast I had had milk. Right. Like cereal. Or I would have a glass of milk with my like breakfast, like eggs and whatever. And at some point, I'm like, well, I just can't have breakfast. I always get Fart City after that. <laughs> <laughs> I always go straight to Fart City after that. But then you found out the truth. Yeah. The Fart City is a real place. <laughs> it's a real place. You're the mayor. I'm the mayor of Fart City. Baby, we got to make sure we say it right. We're going to be saying, hey, Bale Maze and Fart City a lot in this podcast. I was going to say, how many times are you going to say Fart City? <laughs> Fart City. 
But Paris is being a lot like mm, it's no big deal that she, it's like a I want to call it passive aggressive, but it's like aggressive passive aggression. She's like, do the dishes, please. But he's like there because he's poor and it's sad. But maybe he'll get on his feet again. Maybe. Meanwhile, Rory is nervous about her job interview at a newspaper in Providence. But she shouldn't be because guess what? She nails it. She goes there. She interviews off screen. She destroys this interview. She calls her mom about it on her train back from Providence. Lorelai, at this moment, is dealing with some customers and hands the phone to Michelle to talk to Rory for a few minutes. And this scene is pretty funny. Michelle, like, (laughs) answers the phone. And Rory's like, how are you? And he's like, middling to poor. (laughs) And then he just asks her, he's like, what what is that sound? She's like, oh, I'm on a train. And he just starts talking about how much he hates trains, how they're super dirty. Just talks about trains for a while. They look like giant slug tracks. Then after his monologue's over, he's like, all right, here's Lorelai. <laughs> it's just a little scene for Michelle to complain about trains. Trains are to Michelle as girls are to Caleb. Mmm, dirty. That's pretty funny. We'll talk about Caleb later. That's a puffy thing. Mm-hmm. Rory gushes about how well her interview went and then asks Lorelai if, you know, it'd be cool if she were to bring Logan home to stay at Stars Hollow when she visits this time. Lorelai, you could tell, like, was not expecting that, but she's all like, yeah, of course, of course, bring home a gentleman's suitor, ha, 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 put on my parent cap, you know, to, like, interrogate him, ha, ha, ha. And obviously she's trying to be supportive, but you could tell Lorelai maybe, like, is a little bit like, oh, boyfriend, oh, I don't, I don't know if she's just like, well, how do you feel about this scene? Because I don't know if she's all like, oh, that's fine, I just wasn't expecting it, or like, oh, I don't really like Logan, but, like, that's fine, he's coming. Maybe part of it was a surprise because he was just in the doghouse with Rory very recently. I think everything she expresses to Suki in the upcoming scene is what she was feeling in this moment. Okay. Like, yeah, there's nothing she can really do about it. Rory's an adult, and that's kind of what we're exploring in this episode. But, like, she's uncomfortable for all the reasons she'll say later. Yeah. But she's like, of course, bring Logan. It'll be fun. You can show him off to the town. Lorelai is very proud of Rory for what she did in the interview, for, like, taking a train. I guess that's a big deal. (laughs) Yeah, we take trains constantly. Yeah, and she comments about how Rory's growing up and being an adult. And it's funny because Rory's like, yeah, I do feel like an adult. I'm reading a paper on a train. And it's funny because I remember going to college, and I was on a bus, a public bus, reading the New York Times and being like, I'm an adult. (laughs) (laughs) I'm reading the New York Times on public transportation. You're Rory. I'm Rory. But she's not the only one growing up. April is back in Stars Hollow. She's staying with her dad for a little bit for Spring Fling. April seems to be actually enjoying New Mexico, even though she thought she was going to hate it. She's really into Navajo and Apache history, and she gives her dad this, like, gaudy as shit turquoise bracelet. It's it's a lot. It looks like a belt buckle on a wrist. Yeah, it's so big. It looks comical. And he's all like, great, cool. I'll wear this forever. Fun. <laughs> he clearly doesn't love it. But he also notices uh, some things about April indicating that she's growing up, like she has new glasses and she has earrings. She's pierced her ears. And she loves the word fabulous. Yeah, I I don't really understand what, like I watched her say that twice in the scene and I didn't understand why that was like important because I, they I use it like in New Mexico. This is maybe just a word that's like in our lexicon now, but maybe like yeah. it wasn't. So it felt unusual that she was using it so much, but she says it a lot in the episode and Luke thinks it's weird. Yeah, I guess it's something they say in New Mexico that they weren't saying there. I don't know. I think it just is a word we started using maybe since then. In general, not necessarily New Mexico. Okay, so then what's the point of it in this episode? Just to show she's changed somehow, I guess. Doesn't she even say like they use that word in New Mexico all the time? She says it's the new word in school. Mm. So I think it's just like a kid word. 
just seems like a weird thing to put into the script if it's not really relevant other than it's a new word people are using. I think it was just an extra thing that could be different about her that we could keep doing. Mm. Re her giving him that ugly bracelet. We've established that she's Just so we're on the same page, everyone. Re her, she meant like the shorthand, like R-E colon, like if you were replying to an email or something. Baby, people got emails. They know. You just start saying re her. (laughs) (laughs) I think they understood. Anyway, I'll CC you on this conversation, Brian. <laughs> re her giving bad gift. Re her giving him the bad gift. Babe, you're going to say re her a lot in this episode, so <laughs> make sure you can say it. They've sort of established that she gives bad gifts. Like, remember yeah. that mask she made him? Which he acted like he loved, but he didn't have to, like, wear that around. <laughs> I feel like he did like the mask. It did seem like he did. But again, he didn't have to wear that around. Absolutely. So she's like, my dad loves bedazzled art. <laughs> Flannel shirts and colorful, wearable art. <laughs> I feel like Luke would be a very easy person to buy gifts for. Be like, here's an REI gift card. Good luck. <laughs> You're set. Here's a here's a, a lure. And this is going to be something Luke's going to deal with this whole episode is this idea that his daughter's growing up so fast. And it's going to be something he can share with Lorelai, these feelings of my daughter's growing up. Rory brings Logan home, and it's honestly low-key awkward from the moment he steps in the door. Lorelai is outwardly very kind to Logan, but you could tell that she's like, I don't know how I feel about you. Last time I heard about you, you sucked, so I don't know. Like, she comes on the stairs when he gets there, and she hugs Rory, and she's nice to Logan, but she doesn't hug Logan. I feel like a mom would hug him. Hmm. I don't know. And he maybe didn't hug your parents every time I saw them early on. I know, that's all they talked about, too. (laughs) Why won't she hug us? I want her to hug me. Free her huggings. I don't think they're coming in fast enough. You're forcing it. (laughs) (laughs) He has a big bunch of really fancy flowers to give to Lorelai, which honestly probably doesn't really impress her because when it comes to Lorelai and flowers, it's all about quantity and not quality. Just ask Mass Medina. She's all about the magnitude of the number of flowers. Yep. That's the thing we've established about her one time. (laughs) Lorelai is talking like a million miles an hour in this scene, really trying not to seem anti-Logan and to seem very positive and like positive of their relationship and hanging out. The bit where she says everything twice is kind of funny because then mm-hmm. Logan does the same. Yeah. I guess to make her feel more comfortable. You mean like greeting everyone twice? or what do you Yeah, mean? she's like, hi, hi, hello, hello. Right, yeah. And then she comments how she's saying everything twice. And she says the word charming twice and then so does he. Mm-hmm. The be- she shows them their sleep setup, which is Rory's old room with Rory's old bed, but also the trundle bed. So glad we got that for Gigi so Logan can sleep there. And she's all like, I'll let you figure out the sleeping arrangements. I mean, essentially, that's like, I know you guys are banging and figure out how to do that in these two little beds. <laughs> she says something like, you guys can do whatever you want, sleeping wise. <laughs> it's still comfortable <laughs> for everyone. I mean, it's just one of those things that is probably just uncomfortable for parents. Like, I know this is a reality, but like, I purposefully don't like ever acknowledge or think about this. <laughs> yeah. Lorelai leaves for work, and Logan and Rory have like a nice little sweet scene together on the bed. It's really nice because they're clearly like back to being like ooey gooey in love with each other. Like, especially Rory. She's just got this like smitten face for him the whole time. On the bed where she fucked Dean. I mean, that would probably turn Logan on, honestly. If you think so. Yeah, he probably tried to sleep with her on that bed. She's like, no, this is only for sleeping with married men. (laughs) Hmm. I don't know if you guys can hear, but there is very light sawing happening outside. I hope that man gets arrested. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like he knows we're doing the podcast. and He's trying to be polite and just doing a little every once in a while. That's funny. 
Uh, but like I was saying, I feel like the chemistry between Rory and Logan this episode is pretty good. It's a nice episode showcasing that. They're very happy together. I love him being here. Mm-hmm. She shows him around the town, and it's really cute. Their chemistry really shines. He loves the town because it's so crazy and, like, interesting. I totally agree with him. He's, like, really obsessed with Taylor Dosey. He's like, wait, he runs all these businesses, and he's the alderman, and he does A, B, like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> like, I'm kind of interested in this guy. <laughs> he says he owns two businesses. What, what are the two besides the ice cream place? I don't know, but he did something before he had that ice cream place, so I assume yeah. he still owns that he business. He owns property, I think. Mm-hmm. I think from, like, a businessman's perspective, like, Taylor Dosey is a pretty successful businessman. Yeah. So, like, from that perspective, he's probably like, this Taylor Dosey guy is very interesting. Like, he's made a lot for himself in this little town. I also want to mention, and we set this up at the top, that throughout the whole episode, there are workers constructing this maze out of hay bales in the town. Like, as they're walking, you're just seeing them, like, stack and arrange all the hay bales. And this goes on throughout the entire episode. It's kind of like fun and sort of like immersive and lets you know that like every shot of this episode is like, this is the hay bale episode. There's also at least like three long walk and talks Mm -hmm. where this is like all happening in the background. So it's like very well choreographed. Yeah, absolutely. The scene, especially with Lorelai and Suki, is like all one take. And you can tell there's like one line of dialogue where Melissa McCarthy doesn't say it great. She like has to think about her line, but they kept that one probably because it was the best one overall. But I wonder how many times they did it. Right. I totally noticed that too. And it makes you wonder, like, in shows, so often they don't keep in, like, any kind of error. But it's like, people fuck up when they talk. Like, yeah. yeah. I feel like it's not crazy to have, like, a little, you have to repeat a word or something. Yeah, people fuck up when they talk all the time. <laughs> I mean, we haven't. Um, I do love this, her showing him around the town, though. I can relate to this, I don't know, like, coming from a small town, like, being excited to show you my little town or, mm-hmm. you know, other boyfriends. It's just super cute. It is maybe weird that he hasn't come yet. Yeah, it's surprising. But I'm glad that they included this. Because he's like the one boyfriend of hers we haven't seen here. And it's so different than what he's used to. I thought it was fun. I liked that he liked it. Yeah. There's a lot of cute moments. Like she's telling about all the time she fell off her bike. And all of her friends called her scab nose. And he keeps calling her poor little scab nose. That was cute. Yeah. This like dance of the daffodils thing is funny. Yeah, they go past Miss Patty's. All the kids are dressed up like bulbs, like like a plant bulb. And they're going to, like, become plants at some point. But they look like little turds. Yeah, they look like poop emojis. We were like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. He asks if Rory ever did this, and she's like, yeah, but I didn't bloom. Yeah, it's funny. Also, when she says she fell off her bike, she said it was very traumatic. It felt like a Dawnism. She just, like, doesn't know how to say a word properly. Mm. Well, she's just so in love with Logan. Mm. She's, like, drunk on love, slurring her words. This scene is great. I do want to mention that this episode has something that bothers me, and it's right now. Okay. Rory takes Logan to Luke's diner where they run into Zach and they mention having just gone to see Lane and their two kids, Quan and Steve. Is that the first time we hear their names? I think so. I, think so I don't. It, it was news to me, but unless it was said in a previous episode offhand. Before we go any further, that's all we're going to get of Lane. And it's so frustrating to me that this show, and I've complained about this before, has sort of like abandoned Rory and Lane having scenes together. Yeah. Like when they do, it's very short. Like the one where Lorelai was helping plan her baby shower rory and lane definitely have a good scene at the end but like it's short like can they be friends can they interact please it's crazy to me that lane and the two kids who are huge characters are just not in this episode we just like oh yeah we saw them well cool i'm so glad we get to see zach and not them yeah it would have been way more interesting to actually see her meeting lane and her babies but they probably didn't want to deal with babies oh absolutely i get that that's why they didn't want to do it but like i just want to see more zane zane 
That's Lane and Zach. I don't want to see more You want to see more Zane? No, I do not ship Zane. I want to see more Lane and Rory scenes. Yeah. I, I don't know that it would have fit because it's not really about them this episode. It's about Logan being in the town. I hear that totally. But it could have been just like a quick thing where they bump into Lane out walking her babies or something. Yeah, or she could have been at Luke's diner. Yeah. With the babies. They could have been fake American Sniper babies. Mm-hmm. American Sniper just... Look it up. We'll link it's, it. It's a scene with like a very clear fake baby. Zach tells us that Quan and Steve are different. Quan is all torso and Steve is all legs and arms. Good to know. We almost should like grab this audio and make a TikTok about our bodies. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Which we've done before, but not with this audio. Zach in this scene is like a happy golden retriever. I don't know how to describe it. He's like so excited to see Rory and he's like bobbing up and down. He's like a like a TJ. I feel like that's what they've done to Zach. They're like, we'll make him less of an asshole, but make him more of a TJ, like a dumb idiot who's trying to do the right thing. It's kind of cute. Just like rambling about the one thing going on with his kids right now. Yeah. Rory, by the way, is waiting for a call back about whether she got this job. She keeps checking her phone. She's nervous because they haven't called her back. I get this. This is frustrating. So she's just sort of like in her head about this. To try to downplay her nervousness over this job or how important getting this job is, she's all like, if I don't get it, no big deal, because what I really want is that Reston Fellowship in Manhattan, not this Providence job that's like far away and in a small town. But really, she's just saying that because, you know, she doesn't want to feel so disappointed when she doesn't get the Providence job. At the same time, Luke gets pissed because he sees that Taylor is having hay bales put right in front of his window, like stacked up so he can't see out the window. So he goes outside, starts yelling at Taylor, ripping down the hay bales, just having a great classic, what the hell are you doing to my diner, Luke Taylor fight. You know what I'm talking about. Taylor says the veins are popping out of his neck. So funny. Taylor keeps saying, calm down. The veins on your neck are starting to pop out at me. (laughs) Like they're going to grab him or something. And the whole time he just keeps saying stuff like, try to control your neck face. Logan and Roy love this, of course. They are sitting in a seat that gives them a perfect like TV view of this. They're watching it like it's television or a movie, and they both love it. It's classic stars holodrama on display. We should also mention when Luke comes over to take their order or greet them, he like covers up his bracelet. (laughs) Yeah, he hides his bracelet. It's so gaudy and ugly. Taylor calls a town meeting to address some of the growing concern in the community that this uh, hay maze is getting out of control. On their way to the meeting, Lorelai and Suki walk through the town. And this is the scene you mentioned earlier. It's really fun to just see them like building stuff around them. It's really immersive. It's all one shot. Melissa McCarthy seems to like kind of trip over a line, but she fixes it. Like you said, they kept that in, which I'm totally fine with because that's how people talk. Mm hmm. But during this trip, we really get to see what Lorelai's thinking about Logan. She admits that she doesn't love Logan. She really doesn't love that he just lost a ton of money and then like decided to go gambling and now has like moved in with Rory. She thinks he's too privileged and gets away with it with all the stuff he does because he's hot and charming. But she says it's like not her place to tell Rory this maybe now because yeah. she's an adult. Yeah, she's like, you know, it's dawning on her that Rory's an adult and, you know, who is she to say who you can and can't date or what decisions to make? On their way there, they discover that there are no booths anywhere, only hay. Which is disconcerting because that's what the tourists are usually there for. That's what they'll expect. At the meeting, Lorelai runs into Luke and April. She comments on April's earrings. Luke mentions that she's grown up fast. So that's something that her and Luke can kind of bond over i guess they don't really bond about it too much in this episode but i'm like you guys need to be bonding about this clearly the show's setting that up after they talk about april and rory for a second they kind of have like an awkward foot shuffling few moments where they try to make small talk and then they just find their seats it's clear that like 
things are better between them, but there's still this like underlying awkwardness. We're not talking about something. We're both hurt about something, but we're not going to bring it up. They don't know what their relationship is yet, I think. Right. They're like civil now. They've been yes. kind of helping each other out all season, but haven't really addressed the conflict that ensued at the end of the last season. Yeah. The town is pissed about all this hay going up everywhere. That's like so much. And they're also pissed to find out that Taylor has taken all of the money for the spring festival, stuff that would normally go to like buy booths for people to sell goods in. They're not going to do any of that. He's taking all that money and he's putting it right into this giant hay maze. I feel like this is insane because a lot of the townsfolk make money off this. Like Gypsy sells her lemonade, which Babette says she'll need to sell because of her husband Maury's salty nuts, which he sells. And people will be too salty. Their mouths will fall off without that lemonade. <laughs> it's really funny because she just says like, what about Maury's salty nuts? <laughs> no context when she says it. I feel like this, and Taylor's all like, guys, we're not going to be having any of that. I think that's insane. Like, this, you can't just take business away from the residents without telling them. Yeah. I mean, it's a classic Taylor's being a piece of shit, but, like, they could, like, shut him down for this, I feel like. Lorelai and everyone is pissed that the tourists are going to be upset that they don't have the traditional spring fling stuff. Taylor then shows them a model of the maze, and it's, like, the whole town. They're like, wait, that's way too much. He then unveils Kirk who is in a bad minotaur outfit. And when I mean bad, I mean it's bad. Like his, the head on him is enormous. It's like five times bigger than it should be. It's like paper mache. And it's all pretty funny because he starts talking about minotaurs and labyrinths and mazes. But then Lorelai's just like pointing out like Kirk has been standing there in this giant costume with that giant head on under a cloth to hide him for the entire <laughs> meeting. This and like as everyone was coming in. Yeah. As they leave, we can see that Taylor's taking this to like the next level because they're even removing the gazebo with a crane to like accommodate this maze. It's pretty insane. I feel like the gazebo could be left. Right, yeah. Have it like in the middle, a little resting place. Lorelai comes home to find Logan cooking paella. I'm surprised Rory and Logan didn't go to the meeting. I, literally what I was about to say, especially since Logan was like, I'm so obsessed with this Taylor guy. Like I want to know more about him. I guess paella maybe takes a while. Yeah, and they may be... Stopped in the bedroom first. I feel like that'd be a thing you'd want to do before mom got home. Yeah. They also were planning on getting takeout. They didn't need to make dinner. Whatever. Rory gets a phone call about the job. And so she leaves the room. And Logan and Lorelai have a few minutes to uh, talk together. Before I go any farther, I want to mention that Lorelai asked Logan where he learned to cook paella. And he's like, oh, I studied abroad in Spain. And I feel like that was true, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it was like the wrong thing to say. It was almost like, a, here's another privileged reason why I can do this. Do you know how to make paella? You've studied abroad in Spain. Is that not no. in the curriculum? No, it was not on the curriculum. Mm. It was good, though. He also has her chopped peppers. I feel like those would go in early. I don't know, but... Yeah, they definitely would. He's, like, almost done making it. But also, like, why didn't Rory chop peppers? They were waiting for Lorelai to do it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Because she knows how to chop. She has no idea how to chop. She doesn't know how to stir. <laughs> She tells him that she heard about his business deal falling through and that, you know, she feels bad for him. Then he starts talking business, pseudo-speak, about, like, selling virtual items in the future via the internet and that, how he's got a bunch of ideas. I forgot to mention this, but on Lorelai and Suki's walk, she mentions that she found, like, a journal where he just writes his ideas in. And she's like, what the hell is that? Did she find it? Or did he tell her about it? Or he told her about it. She sees that he has one. And in this scene, he's all like, I'm all about my ideas. I'm an idea man. 
he's talking like how brick and mortar is like of the past and like virtual shops is the future. All the stuff that Logan says is like true, but I feel like it isn't like genius. It's sort of like, yeah, that's kind of what everyone was thinking at that time that like had any knowledge of sales and economics. He's specifically talking about like selling stuff like in World of Warcraft. This was happening in EverQuest already. I never heard of that. A friend of mine, he made money by like leveling up people's EverQuest characters and then selling them to them. Oh. So it sounds intelligent, but it also kind of sounds like pseudo speak kind of like just fast talk so yeah. i don't know if we're supposed to be like yeah he's right or if we're like uh this is sort of like whatever business talk because i feel like lorelei takes it like this is nonsense i think lorelei kind of just doesn't understand what he's talking about she's very gen x mm-hmm. and i think what he's talking about was probably all kind of new ideas at the time that do make sense to me but like mm-hmm. maybe was supposed to sound like nonsense at the time mm-hmm I would say that it doesn't seem to impress her, at least. is like, a, that's a solid answer that alleviates my fears and worries about you. Because she's like, whatever happened to selling encyclopedias? This all is too much for me. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah. how I feel like my parents are when they try to ask me what AI is. Yeah. Logan is convinced that he will, at some point, think of the right idea and then use his experience and context to be a rich boy again. Yes. That's his plan. I don't know if she buys any of that, but then Rory comes back into the room, super giddy. She got the job, a real job, where she gets paid to write and she gets a 401k that her dreams are coming true. It's great. So they toast and they celebrate and they go to Weston's for some pies. Okay, the toast is so awkward. Lorelai's like, you know what this calls for? Paella. And they all like cheers and nobody knows where to put their hands. <laughs> it's so weird. It seems like Lorelai maybe spills a little and Logan's acting like, oh, Careful, yeah, girl. There's totally. just like weird touching. And as good as they are at doing these like long walk and talks, they also do these like play acting things where they all stand in a row for the camera right. so often. In a semicircle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like no one stands like this. Yeah, someone would be like leaning against the counter or they'd be like in a circle. It just, I hate when they shoot like that. Because they're so good at like Friday night dinner shots too, like where there's mm-hmm. so much going on with like different camera angles. I hate when they do this like simple shot. On their way to Weston's, once again, in the darkness, people are still building the maze. And Rory starts kind of thinking about how her job, the one she just got at Providence, is going to be at a smaller college town and maybe isn't her ideal job. But she also says, you know, it's still a very good job and I'm lucky to get it. It's one of the best jobs I could get. But she's struggling because she really, in her heart of hearts, wants that fellowship in New York. That's her dream. And she's worried that maybe if she goes for this almost perfect job, then she can't take the fellowship if it were to pop up, which is her dream. This is all a little bizarre to me because in my head, I'm like, you take the job and then if you get the fellowship, you quit the job. Yeah, I mean, maybe it would burn some bridges if she quits this job after like two weeks or something. Sure, yeah. But she probably won't even be starting it until after she hears about the fellowship. Like she's probably not going to start it until the summer. And I feel like they might even be like, yeah, that's understandable. Go for it. Yeah. She mentions later that she's also be giving up on all these other jobs she's given resumes to, which is maybe true. She can't maybe go through the process of interviewing for other jobs if she's got Mm -hmm. this job. That's always awkward, especially if you have to like go there. Mm -hmm. Like She can't just be like, sorry, Providence, I'm going to San Francisco this weekend to interview. But I do feel like she could quit this job and it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Logan tells Rory that he thinks she should take the risk and follow her heart, go for the fellowship, give up this job. 
Lorelai is a bit more conservative about this, and she interjects that Rory maybe doesn't have the luxury to just not take an almost perfect job with a 401k like someone as privileged as Logan might be able to do. She doesn't say that last part, but I think it's, it's pretty heavily implied. Logan goes on to explain that, you know, Rory's pretty young and very talented, and this risk isn't a huge risk for her because she can get a 401k later. She doesn't need it right now. She's at a time in her life where she should be making big risks to follow her dreams. Lorelai decides that this is a fight. Rory goes into Weston to get some pies. Logan then starts defending himself to Lorelai, saying that he understands what money's like because he got his first credit card statement now, which she rightfully points out is sort of a weird sentence. <laughs> like, yeah. I get money. I've got my first bill today. <laughs> like, it sounds really dumb I'm and really naive. More. Yeah. This is such an interesting conversation because this is like right before the recession. Mm -hmm, fucked mm -hmm. millennials. Yeah. So what Logan's kind of saying is, yeah, we we should take risks at a time when millennials were like going to college and getting jobs. But in like two years from this, it was going to be super hard for us to actually mm -hmm. find work. Yeah. You and I both like couldn't find jobs one year after this. Which supports the argument that maybe she should have just taken that job. But neither yeah. Logan or Lorelai knew this downturn was going to happen. Right. I don't know. It's just funny that like in a year, yeah, people her age would sort of be forced to like be more creative with how they got income and 401ks wouldn't necessarily be an option. Yeah. Logan says that he thinks Rory should take this gamble. It's worth it. But the word gamble, I think, sort of like triggers Lorelai a little bit. Because mm. she's like, oh, but you're a gambler. Rory's not. She's like a pro-con, weigh everything, girl. You're the gambler. She's not. Before they can talk more, Rory shows up with pie and they go home. Later that night, Logan wakes up to see Rory making a panicked pro-cons list. In her trundle. On her trundle bed. About whether or not she should take this job in Providence. And then she actually points out that like print journalism might be dying. So she should maybe snatch up this job while she can. Which I want to go back in time and be like, do yes, Rory. Yes. You said it was hard to find jobs in journalism at this time. Yeah. As soon as I started a journalism school, they were all like, yeah, so this industry is sort of dying, and we don't know what to do about that. <laughs> and honestly, it's it's gotten better than it was, but it, in, well, it's hard to say. Like, it, it, journalism got pretty messed up, because people don't read newspapers anymore. They just don't. Like, old people do. But, like, people don't get newspapers delivered to their house. And somebody's like, well, I do. Yeah, you're an old man. Why are you listening to this podcast? <laughs> Most people don't Please get newspapers. keep listening. We welcome you. Yeah, I do love you, uh, old man. <laughs> You're the best. I'm trying to think of an old man name. I was too. I couldn't think of one. <laughs> I thought of Wilbur. Please keep listening, Wilbur. We love you. Lester. That's true. I don't think anyone's being named Lester anymore. Don't we both have grandpa's name, Lester? Yes, we do. Both of my grandpas, one was Lester and one was Leslie. Oh, Those wow. are not my secret internet questions. Don't try to hack I my account. I forgot about that because my grandpa's name was, my step-grandpa's name was Lester. What was your other grandpa's name? I don't remember. I barely ever met him. I met him like twice. He just had a house full of porn. That's all I know. What? So after he died, we, I, I think we got his house or like my dad got his house. His father. Yes. Okay. So after my father's real father, when I say real father, I mean biological father, died. He gave my dad the house and my dad went there to like clean it out and then sell it. Right. And I went with them while they cleaned it out because I was a kid and I had nothing to do. And it was an amazing time in my life <laughs> because this man had clearly a porno addiction and had thousands, thousands of magazines throughout that. Like just like I don't know how to express this, just like piled throughout the house, just piles of them. That town's goodwill must have been interesting yeah. after that. 
part of me is like he had Playboys from like when Playboy came out, man. They were like, and I was like, I wonder if I had like saved all these if I could have sold them. Like, there's just so like many old ones. I ended up like being able to steal. When I say steal, they're getting thrown away. So I was able to keep smuggle four, smuggle four out. But was, was your tough. dad just like, maybe you should wait outside for hours, Brian? I think he was like, I don't know. I don't think he was like, oh, Brian, I'll go through the porno bags because they were all about, I had to be very sneaky about grabbing was say, Were they just strewn about everywhere? Everywhere. Every, like, I don't, like, every surface had 10, 20, 30 Playboys on them. Wow. Like, if you were to build a house out of Playboys, like, that's what this was. <laughs> You'd think you'd have a better organizing method. I guess he was old. Anyway, none of that's important. Re-her waking up in bed, <laughs> going over the pros cons list. Funny, she mentions that one of the factors pro Providence is that the air quality is better there than in Manhattan. Huh? Which is funny because we just had a terrible air quality like emergency here last week. I bet it was bad in Providence too that week though. The whole East Coast was screwed. No, you're right. She actually doesn't say which one has better air, but I assume it's Providence. Logan wants to grab some water, so he starts getting dressed in case he runs into Lorelai. It's pretty funny because he puts on pants, and then Rory starts, like, roasting him for putting on a shirt. So, like, it's fine. Well, you putting on a shirt? And I'm like, yeah. I think he should have put on pants and a shirt. Absolutely. Like, it'd be weird to run in your mouth without a shirt. Not, like, irrecoverably weird, but just, like, I think both of us would prefer you had a shirt on. Your mother, who has a history of sexual tension with your boyfriends? Yes. I thought you were talking about my mom for a second. I was like, wait, what the No. Yeah, totally. The way she talks to Dean, Logan should keep his shirt on. But he also puts on socks, which I admit is too much. That is overkill. He nearly puts on shoes. Also, throughout this episode, they call each other like honey and babe. And I feel like they don't do that that much. It almost seems like tacked on. Like they're like, oh, yeah, we should be saying those words. Yeah, I did notice they did that quite a bit this episode. You're right. Of course, Lorelai catches him in the kitchen when she's on her way to get some more pie. And it's weird. He kind of opens the conversation about saying that he's not a gambler and he doesn't want her to be worried about him. And she's like, well, I'm a mother. Of course, I'm going to be worried. She's worried that he's not taking his recent business losses seriously enough. And he's not like realizing that he made a mistake. And he's like, I do know I made a mistake, a big mistake, but I didn't want to present that to you because I don't want you to think bad of me. I want you to think good of me. I want to make a good impression on you. She likes that he admits that he made a mistake and it realizes it was a mistake. But doesn't like, honestly, that he grew up rich and he maybe doesn't get that that's not what it was like for Rory. That Rory had to fight for every single thing that she got. And so did Lorelai. But then he points out a comparison that I think is pretty apt. That his recent decision to leave his life of money and privilege to pursue his own goals on his own is similar to how Lorelai did that same thing when she was 16 and left her parents' privilege and money to start a life her own way. And she had never really thought about it that way. And I think his comparison has an effect on her. How did she never think about that? You'd think she would think about that every day the first few years. <laughs> she suddenly has no money that she gave that up to live her own life. Well, I mean, I think she's thought about that before. I just don't think she had thought about it being similar to what Logan just did. Okay, sure. And after he makes that comparison and seems contrite about what happened, she starts to come around to him. She invites him to have some pie with her. So they're like friends now. That's nice. Yeah, he like says he's ready to work hard. Yeah. It's so interesting because she loved Dean. Like she was Mm -hmm. maybe a little weird about Rory having a boyfriend, but eventually she loved Dean. She hated Jess, I think for good reason. Lorelai's never met reformed Jess, but the Jess she knew was Jess was a piece of shit when he was young. Absolutely. I feel like she should like Logan. 
because he's very polite and nice, like Dean. Like he's mm-hmm. he's not shitty to Rory. I mean, he's done some shitty things that Lorelai hasn't seen firsthand. So I get why she's like worried about those because Rory's constantly like, yeah, we're like on a break because he fucked up. So I, I guess I get why she would feel weird about him. Well, I think there's more instances than just this. I think that the wealth thing is a little bit like, oh, you're just a wealthy kid who didn't have to work for anything. Yeah. Which isn't enough to hate him, but that's still there in the back of her mind. But also, like, the stuff his father did to Rory, that's not Logan's fault, but I feel like it's connected to Logan, so that shades him a little bit more. And then on top of that, there's been other instances, like when she was crying on the bathroom floor because she was Mm -hmm. drunk. Why doesn't Logan love me? Yeah, it's just so complex, and I like that they explore Lorelai and Logan's relationship. Mm -hmm. Because I get why she would be hesitant about him, even though he seems kind on paper. Right. He is sort of like the bad boy that Jess was, even though Lorelai doesn't actually see that. Well, they've set up, too, that, like, his father is like that, where he can be very charming. But, mm-hmm. like, at the end of the day, he's doing it for a reason. Yeah. But I do think he's different than his dad. I agree with you. I just could see how she might be like, well, you're like your dad. The next day at the festival, guess what, guys? The maze is actually amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Lorelai admits that Taylor was right? <laughs> she says that, and Rory's like, shut your mouth. <laughs> I love the little kid that they set up as a guest at the inn is like unsure about the maze and then Logan's like feigning excitement about it. Just get the kid to go in. Yeah, which Lorelai appreciates, I guess. They don't talk about this, but they suggest that they've solved some of the issues about not having booths by like having something at the end of the maze. Like Suki's making kind of classic foods for them and stuff and the nuts and lemonade yeah, are there. But who's making end. that? Is it being sold? Like what's happening? Lorelai said Suki has all that type of food back at the end for them after the maze. Right, I don't know. But, like, are the townsfolk still making money off that? Like, is Suki making that lemonade or is Gypsy? Yeah, I don't know. Because it's sort of still unfair if the inn just makes all that profit. It doesn't matter, babe. Everyone loves the maze. (laughs) They do. They all love the maze. Maury's high on the maze. (laughs) Yeah, Maury's walking through it. He's, like, laughing, smiling to himself. He's like, I'm just high on the maze. Even Suki and Jackson are like, yeah, we love the maze. We love it. It's great. <laughs> Everyone loves it. Zach loves it. <laughs> it's, it's, and I, you know what? I have to say, I love this. I really love that the maze is popular because it's just a fun change of pace where they, you set Taylor up to want something and it's too much and it's going to blow up in his face because he's a bad guy. But it's kind of fun that like, well, he was right about this though. Like sometimes he's right. I will say, I wish we had just, like, two seconds of Taylor, like, standing back, looking at the maze, looking proud. Yeah. I, I know we don't like him in general, but, like, mm-hmm. he, he was right. This is a big win. We only see him, like, guiding traffic into the maze, having a hard time with his allergies, because they've set up, he wants this so bad, even though he's allergic. Yeah. But I don't know. I just kind of wanted him to have this, like, one little win. No, I agree with you on that. Kirk is there. He's on stilts to help find and rescue people that are stuck in the maze. I guess they decided he the Minotaur costume was too much. The stilts still feel like very inefficient. He like can move very slowly on them. Some people have flags that they're carrying around. I don't really know if that's like to also be found. I would guess so. I mean, you could like wave it at some point if you're like, I can't. I'm stuck, you know. Because Taylor doesn't include that in the rules. Yeah. But I, it's it's pretty fun that the maze is just so amazing that everyone loves it. Uh, I got to stop saying maze and amazing. Hey, Bale, Amazing Maze. Logan mentions that he saw that Rory put him on the pros-cons list, but she's kind of unsure what his future is. But he tells her that he doesn't want her to consider him when making this decision. He's like, I want you to make this on your own. Don't worry about figuring out how to work this decision around my life. Maybe I'll work my life around your decision. Maybe I'll come live in Providence if that's what you want. 
She does some soul searching and she decides that she's going to turn down this Providence job because she wants to try for the fellowship. He always does this thing where he tells her it's her choice. I don't know if that's like intentional because he, does, he doesn't say those exact words, but he says, you do what you want. That's like been his thing from the beginning. Yeah. Like in um, You Jump, I Jump, Jack, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he tells her she's got to like break out of her shell and like make the big choice, which is what she's doing here. I think there's a way to argue that like he sets up one path being the better path and then being like, it's up to you. Like, clearly, I've given you two choices and really buttered up one choice. And I'm giving you the illusion of choice by saying choose which one. But I've made it very clear to you there's a better choice. Yeah, but I don't think he's necessarily trying to manipulate her in any way here. He doesn't have anything going on. She does. I agree with you. I just know that some people think he's manipulative and he has shown that before. And it isn't insane to think that this could still be part of that. I just like that that's like consistent about him somehow. Yeah. You just like Logan. No, I just think that a lot of what that's why I like you jump, I jump Jack so much because I think it comes back in different ways. Mm -hmm. Like watching that, I was very impacted by that episode, knowing how their relationship progresses that mm -hmm. you had no idea about yet. This next scene, I think you found a lot of meaning in. They walk into the maze together hand in hand and they come to a crossroads and they look both ways. And Rory goes to the right and Logan goes with her, which you think is very symbolic. Do you want to just explain how you feel about it? I don't think it's that complex. I think they were just talking about whose path they're going to follow and they chose hers and mm -hmm. then they literally do. Yeah. It just sort of reinforces the conversation they had just had. Mm -hmm. The show doesn't do that much visual symbolism like that. Right. Because they aren't holding hands. They're at a crossroads and then they grab hands and go her way. Kind of showing, like, we're going to do life together, but she's going to be the one we're focusing on right now. Yeah, the show doesn't big on symbolism. You're right. I can't even think of another example of it, quite honestly. I feel like there's something else. But, yeah, just the way the camera framed it so symmetrically. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, there's two paths, and they're choosing Rory's. Felt like they were just either trying to tell us something or just, you know, reinforce what we just saw. But then later, Kirk is rescuing them from the maze because they got lost and they're fighting about how like Rory picked the wrong path mm -hmm. and they should have gone Logan's way. Maybe. He had a car in that way. It, it would have taken where they wanted to go. It's This is all her fault. It's really sad. I can't confirm or deny that. <laughs> None of that last part happens. Maybe they should have gone his way. Yes. I'm kidding. During all this, Luke's diner is incredibly busy. Zach is doing deliveries and like everybody else is also just enamored with this maze, maybe to a level beyond everybody else. Like he's like, I can smell the maze, man. I can smell the hay. He's high on the maze. Yeah. And he's like, you know what I want to do is like come here at night blindfolded and do the maze. <laughs> April is dying into the maze. She's doing child labor. Yeah. Well, she likes it, though. Yeah, I know. But that sounded weird. <laughs> she likes it, though. <laughs> but she set that up that she enjoys doing that. But Zach starts telling him how he's memorized the maze and starts saying the way to go. And April's like, don't spoil it for me. <laughs> and Luke's like, go enjoy the maze. And she just takes off. It's so funny how giddy she is to go do the maze. It's really kind of fun how much everyone loves this maze. He says, have a fabulous time. It's yeah. so funny. Yeah. He uses her word. Lorelai goes in the maze by herself, gets a little lost, and runs into Luke, of course. He's chasing after Zach because Zach forgot some food. She immediately notices his gaudy turquoise armband, and they joke about it a bit. Luke starts going on about how his kid's growing up and, like, starts talking about that a bit. And then Lorelai's like, all right, stop talking. Uh, I just want to say I'm sorry. <laughs> she just sort of, like, stops him from talking and is like, very seriously, I'm sorry for sleeping with Christopher. She's like, I never admit it was wrong, and I should have. It was wrong. I'm sorry. You thought that seemed kind of abrupt. 
very abrupt. She just like decides to apologize to Luke for everything just out of the blue. I don't feel like the episode has been leading to this. She just decided the script says I apologize now. I hear that. After rewatching it, I will say, I think she just doesn't want it to be awkward anymore. Mm. Because she had that conversation with Luke earlier where they just like didn't really know what to say. Yeah. And additionally, I think they could have signaled this better. Logan admits to her that he made a big mistake and she really appreciated that. They don't give us like, look at Lorelai understanding everything face like they usually do. Right. When there's a big clue that she's figured something out. But that could be it. Great detective work. I think you're right. Thank you. Because it seems very apropos of nothing. Just like, you know what? I'm sorry about all this stuff because this is the point in the season where we need to make up. Right. But I think she's like, Logan made a big mistake. I'm like Logan. It's not the same type of mistake, but I should admit my mistake to Luke because that's causing awkwardness between him and I and we live in the same town. And I I guess that makes sense too because it's like Logan didn't want her to think badly of him and maybe that's how she feels with Luke. Because they've been civil all season. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, after a point, but, like, there's still this, like, unresolved tension. Yeah. Good sleuthing. You're smart. Thank you. Luke then apologizes for his part of their relationship ending, saying that he didn't know why he felt he had to fix everything with April before he could fix everything with Lorelai. He was wrong. Things don't ever get, like, totally fixed. Like, it's always changing. There's not, like, a perfect time to do this kind of stuff. He also slips in that he thinks he used April to put distance between him and Lorelai. I I don't know that that happened. Whatever. That's Yeah, I don't know cuz he said he was scared. I don't know what he would have been scared of. I feel like April is what caused the distance, not he was looking for a reason to push her away. I almost feel like the writers were like, "Let's give a bone to Lorelai here so it wasn't a thousand percent her fault." I mean, he did push her away, but I don't again, I don't know that he was looking to push her away. Right. But that. this scene at least lets us know that he was. Was there a time where he thought they were maybe moving too fast with the engagement? I don't think so. He wanted to get engaged. Yeah, He wanted to get married, so I don't know. This interaction, though, is just this much-needed catharsis, right? It's out of the blue, but I'm like, yes, finally, you guys have made up. Let's get back to you guys getting back together. Even though we have not enough episodes of that to happen, that's what we all want. And then he helps her get unlost. He tells her how to get out of the maze. He does. Spoils it for her. Well, she didn't care. She's not April. Christopher wouldn't have even shown up at this maze. <laughs> But I thought that was maybe a little symbolic, too, because she she was lost, and now she feels less lost because she worked things out with Luke. Oh. The maze is symbolism, baby. I guess so. Then we get a wide shot of the maze in the town, and it does look cool. It looks fun. I kind of want to do it. You know. You and I have done mazes before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We were in, like, some small town in Michigan. It was in the fall. We went to, like, a pumpkin place, and they had a maze with, like, dinosaur facts strewn about. Weird theme, but that was fun. Did you say tracks or facts? Because they had dinosaur facts. Yeah. I would not be surprised if they had dinosaur tracks as well. So, Stacey, was this a good episode of Gilmore Girls? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was like all mostly in Stars Hollow. We did get some pears in Doyle, which was delightful. But other than that, the town stuff is super cute. And I love boyfriend coming to visit small town. Mm -hmm. I like that Logan and Lorelai have like a relationship. Because they do come from the same world. Logan's a lot richer than the Gilmores. Yes. It's a different thing. But it's it's a similar thing that they're both like, no, I don't like what my parents do. I don't like what they're about. I'm going to rebel and do something different. Logan is kind of starting from scratch now. I didn't necessarily remember that, that he like lost everything. So it's interesting that they're like relating about that. And mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of funny stuff. Like all this stuff about the maze was pretty funny. I love that everyone loved the maze. Yeah, I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. It was fun. It's a cute one. It's a great episode. I think it's really good. Not the funniest one ever, 
But like but there was jokes. There were, but it just it really showcased like Star's Hollow magic with the maze. So I liked it a lot. I do wish Taylor had gotten that little moment of looking pleased with himself. That's my one criticism. I agree. And like that. I hear what you say about Lorelai's apology seeming sudden, but we sleuthed that. And you did a great job of sleuthing it. You Scooby Dude that shit. Thank you. Speaking of Scoobies, we'll get to them in a minute. <laughs> but first. Now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile Uncharmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile on Charmed Season 7 Episode 18, Little Box of Horrors. Little Box, Little Box of the Charmed Ones must recover Pandora's box when it falls into the hands of a shape-shifting demon who intends to spread its contents throughout the world. Can you refresh me on what Pandora's box is exactly? Well, I mean, I think the idea of a Pandora's box is that you don't know what's inside of it. And when mm. you open it, you know, it's like opening a can of worms is sort of the idea. So it could be anything in there. Yeah, but Pandora's box in like Greek mythology, we just look it up. Yeah, some woman was curious and she opened a container that released a bunch of curses upon mankind. So it's sort of like this, ooh, I wonder what's in there, but it could be really bad. So like maybe don't do that. Gotcha. And I just wanted to do some research on our past. We have encountered shapeshifters before. I'm just going to refresh us on those details. Very early on, their shapeshifting neighbors tried to steal the Book of Shadows, their weight loss cookbook. Later, one of their shapeshifting neighbors tries to convince Prue he's a pregnant woman to get Prue to marry him. He forgets he's not a pregnant woman and is hungry and wants to get the Book of Shadows, the weight loss cookbook, so he shifts back and leaves. And then lastly, Phoebe was out of town for business at some point, but a shapeshifter took over her body. She'd been talking about how hot her husband was, so he goes to Mia Cole as Phoebe. (laughs) Wow. So we've encountered some shapeshifters. Seems like they have shapeshifting neighbors. Yeah. Like Tom Hanks, like he can just shapeshift right into whatever role he wants to be. You can't even tell he's not that person. Right, but he's not even a shapeshifter. No, he's not. He's just... So, the charmed ones. They, through magic, you know, here they know that this shapeshifting demon has this box. Long story short, the box does get opened at some point, and it's Mm -hmm. this like ravenous, carnivorous plant inside. Yes, like Little Shop of Horrors. Mm -hmm. Audrey 3. That grows... So fast. So you really don't want to open it. She opens it early and it like eats this dude and... It's a she-demon. Huh? You said she opens it early. Didn't we set up that it was a she-shapeshifter? I don't know that we did. I guess not. But it is. It's a she-demon. <laughs> <laughs> because we saw it and yeah. it was great. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they, they have to track her down. It's not that hard. They track her down. There's a bunch of dead people and like a giant like vine through the city. They're like, I wonder if this leads to the box. It does. Yeah, the box is at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And she's holding it, and they're like, uh, excuse us, ma'am, what are you doing? She's like, uh, no big deal, I'm just opening this box, which starts spewing forth all kinds of evil spores and big plant miles, and the girls use their witchy stuff to barely survive, they barely get out of there, and they're like, what are we gonna do? And they have an idea to make a bunch of rabbits huge, and right. they do, and then the rabbits eat all of the plants. Mm-hmm. That's it. And the plant is sentient, so it's very graphic and painful for the plant. Yeah, I was surprised they put this on the TV. Mm-hmm. But the plant had it coming. He was a bad boy. He yeah. was eating people. You know more about Little Shop of Horrors than I do. Mm-hmm. How, mm-hmm. how does this relate? Like, what's, what similar plot overlaps were there? The plant being evil mm-hmm. and eating people. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's where it stops. And there's a man named Seymour in this episode who 
dies. <laughs> yeah, he was just a random dude. Yeah. But he had a name tag on. So that was cool homage. Uh, and also Steve Martin was in it, which uh, we didn't mention, but Steve Martin was in this episode. And Jack Nicholson. Yes. And Jack Nicholson. Yes. And Rick Moranis. A lot of cameos. They were all just a like people that got eaten by the plant. But yeah, if you guys didn't know, Jack Nicholson was in the original, original black and white Little Shop of Horrors. You can tell that all these celebs were just like green screened in though. Like they clearly filmed their shit on a different day in a different place. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, it was a fun one. It was mm-hmm. fun. Very low yeah. budge. It didn't look good. Very low budge, yeah. But good concept. The plant was clearly a puppet. Mm-hmm. And like not like a good puppet. It was a fun stray from their normal bullshit season <laughs> overarching plot. Yeah, sure. We liked it. Mm-hmm. Five stars out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> That's great for Charmed. Yeah. Also, Leo still doesn't have memories. He has no idea what's going on this whole episode. He's yeah. like, who He's are like, these women? What? What's the Book of Shadows? Rabbits are scary. What are rabbits? He doesn't even know what rabbits are? <laughs> no. Wow, that's some bad amnesia. Like, so he probably doesn't know what words are to communicate this. This has been Meanwhile, Meanwhile on Charmed. So then we watched Buffy. Stacy, please tell us all about Dirty Girls. Dirty Girls is about a new character who's friends with the first that shows up in town and causes Buffy to just like head straight into battle. It's time. Yeah. And Faith is back. Mm-hmm. All that's right. Okay. So much like the first part of the season, we once again open on a girl being chased by bringers. This time she's running through the woods when she's intercepted and saved by a priest in an old timey truck. He seems very Southern charmy, but also sus. This dude is super sus from the get go. Yeah. Her name's Shannon, his name's Caleb, his name seems more important to remember than hers, but we'll get to that. A couple things about this so far. Mm-hmm. Number one, this is Nathan Fillion, by the way. Yes, I didn't realize that until the credits rolled, and I was like, ooh, Nathan Fillion's in this. I was like, yeah, we just saw him. Uh, yeah, I don't know him that well, I guess. Uh, he's in Firefly and some other Joss stuff. Also in Big Mouth, he's like a running joke about <laughs> being a sexual fantasy of a young girl but also i want to mention that we watched this we've been watching most of this in the hd remastered version which is flawed and it is very flawed in this scene because they're in a car the priest and this woman he saved and they have to crop it pretty close to them to be able to fit widescreen because it's clearly mostly supposed to be like stuff around the car in the shot and it, it's at night and super zoomed in with their season seven cameras. It looks like garbage. It looks <laughs> very bad, like embarrassingly bad, like bad. <laughs> would you say it looks bad? I, I mean, if I had to pick a word, bad. It would be fart city. <laughs> fart city. And that's one word. It's not two. A lot of people get that confused. And I just want to know, is Rory going to New York, Providence, or fart city? <laughs> Did you forget to say that earlier? <laughs> I did. I did forget to say that earlier. But this this scene looks straight Fart City. Mm. Fart City. Well, Caleb says to this girl, young girl's like, you shouldn't be out alone. Also, what are you doing hanging out with them devil worshippers? She doesn't really answer him. And he's like, you ever think it's because you're a whore? He calls her dirty and says she was born without a soul. She's like, I'm going to get the fuck out of this car. But the door is stuck. Yeah, totally off screen. She can't even find it. <laughs> he's like eh, I wouldn't do that if I were you we're going kind of fast and my boys are still out there so the bringers seem to be his boys he mentions he was just joking about them being devil worshippers they're not with Satan Satan's a little man so Satan does exist that's been up for debate but it seems like he does and the first thinks that's kind of cute 
like Satan's not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of evil. Yeah, I guess so. She's got to get out of there somehow. So she tries to swerve the steering wheel. He's like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. And then he burns her with a cigarette lighter, which we saw him poke in earlier. And he tells her there's a car behind them and that he knows the people in that car are going to the same place she is and that he wants her to deliver a message to Buffy for him. She's like, cool, cool. And then he stabs her and whispers something in her ear that we can't hear yet. Then he kicks the door open. She tumbles out. And just as he said, a car full of Willow and Faith stopped by to help her. We knew Faith was coming because of Angel. Mm -hmm. This was maybe a surprise if you only watched Buffy. And I guess we could just recap Angel. They encourage Faith to break out of prison because Angel is evil and they need her help to get him back to normal. And she does. She saves the day. And then Willow shows up in Angel to also help with the reinsolment of Angel. And then she takes Faith back with her. So we're seeing that return now. It's maybe worth mentioning that this guy knew that Faith was in the car. He knew she was a slayer, but he said that this message wasn't for Faith. It's for the original one and only no substitute slayer. Yeah. So he doesn't seem to see Faith as like an equal to Buffy. Well, Faith isn't running the show right now. Sure. Buffy's clearly in charge. I don't know. He just like really hammered home that that slayer ain't the one I'm after. Mm -hmm. Great Southern accent, by the way. You are nailing it. I don't believe your tone. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I don't believe you, but thank you. After the credits, we get a super creepy Xander fantasy. Yeah. He's lying in bed at his apartment where there's a new potential sitting in his bed at night who's just so scared and so young and she might die and hasn't been with a man yet. And then another girl appears out of thin air who also hasn't been with a man yet. And neither of them have been with each other in front of a man before. That what was they pretty do? funny. <laughs> I've never been with her in front of a man before. Then it's like, okay, this is this is a dream. Yeah, when the second one showed up, I was like, okay, this is definitely a fantasy. Yeah. But then they both lean in to kiss him, and his door opens, and we see just a living room full of girls in their underwear having a pillow fight while, like, epic music plays. Mm -hmm. That's interrupted when he snaps back to reality. Rona's there yelling at him to wake up. So the potentials are actually staying at his place. It's about time. I, mean, I think the idea is there's so many at this point. Yeah. They should have done that a while ago. We've been pitching yeah, that. totally. Rona's there to inform him that Dominique has the stomach flu and the toilet bowl is packed up. So quite the opposite of his fantasy. He's like, yeah, I'll be right out from under the covers. I got a leg cramp. <laughs> Didn't they call Spike's boner a leg cramp at that party yeah. where no one could leave? Mm -hmm. It's funny. Willow and Faith have taken Shannon to the hospital. She's still unconscious. Faith is kind of pissed that no one bothered to tell her that there's a big evil conglomeration out there hunting slayers. Willow's like, oh, we, we thought you were safe in prison. I don't know that they actually gave much thought to it at all. Yeah, they really should have told her. They did mention her once. I think Buffy even said it would probably try to kill Faith. So yeah, they, they definitely should have found a way to tell her about this. Absolutely. Willow's apologetic, but Faith's like, nah, it's fine. MBD, you got the real slayer. That's all that matters. She's like clearly hurt. Yeah. Somebody's got to stay here in case Shannon wakes up. So that ends up being Willow because Faith has had enough of hospitals. She's off to find Buffy on patrol, which Willow is nervous about because Buffy and Faith don't super get along. But Buffy's expecting Faith, so they got to rip that bandaid off sometime. Cut to the graveyard. A woman is running from a vampire. It's Spike. He's about to maybe bite this woman's neck when Faith stops him. He recognizes her from stories of her general vibe and demeanor, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, probably once he got punched, she's like, oh, that was yes, slayer yes. strength. She hits him really hard, too. 
he starts trying to introduce himself and she's like, oh, we've met before. He doesn't remember this, but we'll get to that later. So they kind of fight about how they're both reformed now. They're confused about who's good and evil in this situation. But she's like, uh, you were attacking that girl. I think you're evil. And then Buffy shows up and punches Faith. She's like, whoops, didn't realize it was you. <laughs> and Faith's like, it's cool. Luckily, you still punch like you used to. That's a funny line, man. <laughs> I like that line a lot. Luckily, you still punch like you used to. <laughs> They're certainly equals, right? Like, they must fight the same. I mean, equals in strength and yeah. ability, yes. Like, is it possible for a Slayer to be stronger than another? Like, if they work out more than the other? So, I think the answer is yes, but let me couch it this way. So, I, I think two things. I think the strength itself from the Slayer is like X amount of strength, doesn't matter what your body is like. But you have your normal muscles. So if you were to work out your normal muscle, I think you could add that to your Slayer strength. However, I feel like your Slayer strength is so much more that, like, even if you got really buff, like, how much is that really adding? I was going to say, because they are about the same size. What if Faith was, like, six foot tall and buff? But that's the other thing is I do think that, like, your body size also matters because just, like, how much leverage and stuff you have matters. So you're using more leverage when you're using that power. Luckily, they're the same size, and we don't have to even think about that. Yeah. But also training how to use your existing body parts is also important. Yeah. More so than I think I wish they would explore about, like, Buffy using martial arts to best utilize her abilities. Because every time they've shown them fighting with each other, like, neither of them ever really, like, win, ultimately. Right. Like, she kicked Faith off the building, but, like, it could have easily gone the other way. Yeah, I think they're more or less equal with Buffy having a slight advantage with experience and practice. Yeah, I feel like Buffy maybe cares more about training the correct way. But Faith is like more scrappy. I think Buffy's just trained more in theoret and has had more battles. Yeah. Faith's also like, hold up, why are you friends with this vampire? Are you the bad slayer? Am I the good slayer now? That's funny. They explain it's fine, Spike's got a soul, and he insists he's nothing like Angel. <laughs> <laughs> and then we find out that this girl he was attacking was actually a vampire. Why was he going to bite her then? Probably because they wanted to misdirect us to think he's evil yeah, now. That's what it was. This vampire pops up and she and Faith fight. Buffy and Spike just kind of watch her work. It was cute. She stakes her. Spike's like, Angel's a dull table lamp. And we have very different coloring. <laughs> okay. He's still thinking about that. And almost through gritted teeth, Buffy tells Faith it's nice to have her back. I thought that was well delivered because she really hates Faith. Faith was awful. And she didn't yeah. really buy Faith's reformation, but... Faith is basically her equal, so it's like a huge weight off her shoulders to be doubling herself right now. Yeah, and they've set up the season, too, that she was willing to have Spike, who is a danger because of his trigger that just got fixed because he's so strong and she needs fighters. She doesn't care about beefs or who's right about different things. She just needs strong fighters. Yeah. In fact, she hates beef. She quashed beef in the last episode. She's like, I don't have yeah. time for beef. Ain't no time for beef. Buffy brings Faith back to the Samires. Giles is skeptical, but polite. Dawn is not happy to see Faith. She's very upset at Faith for trying to kill Buffy, which is something she was not actually there for. Mm -hmm. Faith also remembers Dawn. I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that sound was? Yeah, we established the sound of air quotes in Angel OnlyFans if you're a, a fan. That's right. I was just afraid we were like driving by Fart City or something. I didn't know what those sound <laughs> So that's kind of cool that, like, Dawn and Faith have beef because I guess Faith would remember her by Dawn logic. Yeah. I feel like there's something else going on here because you were very excited for me to watch this interaction. 
No, it, it wasn't. And I, I think there may be one more line about it, but it's just like, I remember thinking like, oh, is Faith going to remember Dawn? Like she was there for all that. I mean, she wasn't, but like theoretically. Anyone that meets memory. Dawn remembers her. Yeah. Yeah. Did Faith think about Dawn in prison? Not in like a creepy way. But like... No, but some of her uh, cellmates did. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Like, was that a memory she had before she arrived in this house today? That's a good question. I, like, who knows? Like, maybe if Willow would have said the word Dawn, it would have like triggered it, you know? Mm-hmm. Dawn's triggering. <laughs> Spike tells Faith not to worry about all the tension because part of the reason Giles and Buffy are weird is because Giles conspired to kill Spike behind Buffy's back. Faith's like, well, that makes me feel better about me. (laughs) Worse about Giles. Kind of shaky about you. And then we finally see it as was foretold by one of the Buffy board games we have and a slip up by Brian's brother. We see the vineyard. Yeah, baby. Vineyard time. (laughs) At least a little hut at the vineyard where there are casks of wine that Caleb the priest is drinking from. He's monologuing about how much he loves the story of the Last Supper. I honestly had a hard time understanding this dude. His accent is so thick at times and he kind of uses weird words. Yeah. He's saying that ever since he was a boy, he's wondered what would have happened if someone at the Last Supper ordered a white wine, a nice oaky Chardonnay or a white Zin. Would Jesus have made that out of his lymph or something? Three things. Lymph? (laughs) When he was talking to Shannon in the beginning, he mentioned something about her sucking marrow out of men. So he's really into bodily materials. Two, ever since you were a little boy, you wondered this? You knew what an oaky Chardonnay was as a young boy? That's funny. And three, a white Zin is actually fucking pink. So maybe pick a different (laughs) wine for your insane childhood musings. (laughs) Uh, that's funny. I think it, what's especially funny, probably, you could argue that the kid just saw the title White Wine and knew White Wine existed, <laughs> and so was like, oh yeah, White Wine, but it's funny as an adult he's saying that. I don't like this guy. We'll talk about it more, but I'm just going on record early to say I don't like this guy. Okay, just, you mean you don't like the character, or you're like, he's the villain, I'm not on, <laughs> on board with him. I don't like that he's here. Yeah. we. I feel like we have a lot to say about him. It's not even that I don't like the character, I just, I don't like that he's here. <laughs> He goes on to say that he's always kind of questioned religious stuff like this. He's always been searching for answers. But then you showed me the light. You being the first. And then the first, in the form of Buffy, walks out of the darkness. She asks if he thinks she's God. He's like, no, I'm beyond concepts like that. She kind of makes fun of him for dressing like a priest still, and he's got some bullshit reason that he does. She asks what he thinks about her clothes. He's like, you're a whore. All ladies are dirty whores. Very much like our superintendent mentality. (laughs) <laughs> he doesn't think women are horse. He just thinks women have their role <laughs> and it is unequal to men. No, he just thinks that women don't know things. That's the thing he said to me that yeah. I like, and I'm not quite sure what he's talking about, but I'm like, oh, they don't know things? And they're always carrying purses. <laughs> yeah, that's what he has said to us. Women don't know things and they carry purses. And they be shopping. He reveals that he's been working for the first all along. He organized the bringers. He blew up the council. And then she reveals to him that she's currently in the form of the Slayer. She didn't realize this is the first time the first has shown him what the Slayer looks like. And he's excited to meet the real Buffy soon. He's got a plan to bait her here because he's offered her an apple. And if the Bible's taught him anything, it's that women friggin' love apples. That's something our superintendent also said. <laughs> <laughs> they like Women fruit. love apples. They don't know things. That's why they want the apples, so they know good and evil. <laughs> Next, we see an Andrew narration about Faith. It's pretty great. 
yeah. you see like a montage of old clips. He's talking about her name, how she's the Dark Slayer, how for years and years, or to be more accurate, months, she fought on the side of good, but eventually was seduced by the dark side and became a killer. Nobody was immune to her trail of destruction, not even the most pacifist and logical of races. <laughs> and we see her fighting a Vulcan in a cave. Cut to the summy kitchen where he's like acting this fight out with Rona. And Amanda's like, uh, Faith killed a volcanologist, like a guy that studies volcanoes. To be fair, Andrew, this show was the first time I heard the term volcanologist as well. <laughs> but that was really funny. Yeah. He thinks she fought a Vulcan. I think it was a really nice callback because she did kill a volcanologist. Does Andrew think Vulcans are real, though? Yeah, I don't. It doesn't really make total sense, but it's still funny. I mean, I guess a lot of shit's real in this reality. Who knows? Faith, during all this, is out in the backyard practicing her moves. And Andrew's like, well, regardless, you all need to be aware that Faith has a history. She's a killer. So are you, dude. Yeah. And lets them know that they all need to be on their guard because their very lives may depend on it. Very serious stuff. And then after a beat of silence, Chow An, the girl who doesn't speak English, says, there's a girl in the backyard doing gymnastics. <laughs> With subtitles. It's just very funny that he was talking about her forever. <laughs> she just realized it was funny. It was funny. At school, things are awkward between Buffy and her boss because, you know, their romance isn't really panning out after she threatened to have her ex kill him last week. It's hard to be flirty in the workplace after that. It really is. She's like, hey, I know things are weird, but I need you in this fight. And I will let Spike kill you whenever he wants, but you and I are good, right? <laughs> He's like, 100%, BT dubs, you're fired. She's like, excuse me, I have 9,000 mouths to feed. He tells her she's got other stuff she should be focusing on. Plus, half the kids at the school kind of stop showing up. Parents are finally starting to see this school as problematic after seven <laughs> seasons. A lot of them were really upset when they didn't cancel school the day that kid's head blew up recently. <laughs> yeah. She's like, yeah, I'm not really looking forward to being a full-time general, though general to a bunch of troops who have never actually fought can i maybe just work here part-time he's like nah you're fired because the mission is what matters he's starting to get it yep back at the sunny res faith is taking a smoke break from all the children downstairs not realizing that's where spike lives he's hanging out all shirtless in his bed just like logan just like logan do you think he puts socks on when he goes upstairs yeah faith notices his chains so he catches her up on all his season seven drama I really liked this conversation. Mm -hmm. I feel like they kind of understand each other. Like, both recently evil, still kind of bad boys at heart, but reformed. Things start to maybe get a little sexy, though, when she joins him in the bed and tells him how they've met before during the body swap episode, when she acted all sexy towards him and Buffy's body. And he remembers every word she said. Yeah. He also surprises her with the info that Buffy's gotten a bit more sexually adventurous since she's been gone. Then Buffy comes down. She doesn't love this picture. But Dawn shouts downstairs to let Buffy know that the hospital girl is awake. So Buffy goes to the hospital to chat with her. She tells them what happened in the car. She shows them her burn that Willow takes a picture of for some reason. What? That didn't come back. Why did we see that? Yeah, I don't know. Just for her weird collection of gross photos? Yeah, it's just a Willow thing. I was like, they're going to use this as evidence in court somehow? Like, why? Why do we need a photo? It's funny. And then she shares the message that he whispered in her ear. Which is, I have something of yours. So Buffy rallies the troops in the living room, gives another speech. Basically, that she's sick of preparing, so they're going to go in and fight and get this thing of hers that he's got. Back at the vineyard, Caleb's talking to another dirty whore. 
Right, right. She's like fangirling hard about his preacher work. They talk about how humans are drawn to strength and power. And then he slices her tummy. She collapses to the ground and then turns back into Buffy. And then he asks that she turn into this other girl he killed one time. So it seems like his thing was sort of tricking women into trusting him as a preacher and then he killed them. Yeah. And the first is like letting him use it to relive his favorite murder memories. That seems to be the case. The first says something interesting to him, that all these girls followed him willingly. And he says following is what they do best. And that comes into play at the end. But there's something here, too, like how easy it was for this guy to get young women to follow him. But that's also what Buffy's doing with like her cult. I suppose so. But she's not tricking them. She's like telling them straight up that a lot of them are going to die and stuff. So I don't don't know. It's exactly the same. You can say that her followers were attracted to her power. Yeah. I mean, Andrew's like attracted to following her. Maybe this was just to set up what happens at the end. Mm -hmm. Buffy holds a meeting in her bedroom with the important characters. Dawn is notably absent. (laughs) Buffy thinks that they've got to strike now when this dude's not expecting it. They're all a little worried this is a trap. Giles especially hates that Buffy wants them to just march into battle like this. She's like, um, actually, you're not coming. Why don't you stay behind and help the girls who actually still need a teacher? Ooh. Yeah, that was pretty uh, rough. I mean, she's pretty mad at him. The plan is for Buffy and Faith to lead the girls who have been here the longest into battle while Willow stays home to protect the randos just in case the dude's plan is to come kill the randos after Buffy leaves. First, Buffy and Faith are doing a little recon to figure out where this dude actually is, because they have no idea. So they follow a bringer, who seems like he wants to be followed. Lil Sus. That's his name. (laughs) (laughs) This is my bringer, Lil Sus. (laughs) Faith is very impressed by how well the bringers move without eyes, and wonder if they have sonar. Will we learn more about that? I don't know. Buffy's in a cranky mood and still doesn't love Faith, but she understands that she's here for the right reasons, and again, through gritted teeth, admits she's glad she's here. She also heard rumors that Faith helped Angel and went into his mind, which is true. When she helped Angel, they had to do a little weird thing where they were in his memories together, so she's very curious what inside of there looks like. But maybe she'll never know, because before they dive too much into that, they stumble across the vineyard. There's a ton of bringers going in and out, so they go back home to collect their army. Back at the Summy Res, Xander's handing all the girls weapons, reminding them how to kill vampires and bringers. Rona asks, what if they encounter something else? And Xander's like, yep, could be something otherworldly, but regardless of how many tentacles it has, go for the center. Brain, heart, eyes. Everything's got eyes. Eyes, 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 eyes. Except for bringers. The British one is like, I don't want there to be tentacles. <laughs> Girl, no one ever wants there to be tentacles. Sometimes, depending on the movie. Yeah, My grandpa seemed grandpa. to be maybe into tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> were there movies? If there were, I didn't see them. All I saw was the magazines. Mm. I didn't go through his drawers and stuff. Who knows what was in the drawers? I just saw what was stacked everywhere. How much of it do you think your dad kept? Very little of it because my mom was there helping him. Oh, wow. That must have been awkward. So probably none of it. <laughs> it was so much. <laughs> There's a whole thing about Godzilla where Amanda says that Matthew Broderick killed Godzilla and Andrew gets very whiny and offended about this. He's like, Xander! And then Xander calmly explains that Matthew Broderick didn't kill Godzilla. I don't know. This was a joke for the Bryans of the world, not the Stacys. Matthew Broderick killed Godzilla in the American Godzilla movie, which was a disaster. It was a terrible, bad movie. And that is not Godzilla. He's called Zilla. He's not Godzilla. Sorry, he's not. Well... I do like when Andrew and Xander are on the same page about nerd stuff, though. 
Yeah, me too. Even though I didn't understand the reference. Rona thinks this plan is bad. She thinks Buffy is putting them all in danger and doesn't care if they die. And Xander does a whole speech with like uplifting music under it about how great Buffy is. He's been through a ton of battles with her. She's always won. She's died twice to save the world and yet she's still fighting. She's got a great heart and she does care about your lives. So you got to trust her. She's earned it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Dawn's getting emotional. Andrew's crying. Buffy and Faith have walked in during this, of course, so Buffy hears most of it. The thing is, does she care about their lives? Like, I don't think she wants them to die, but she is putting them in danger. She doesn't, like, know them as individuals. I mean, what is she supposed to do? Like, she's trying to save their lives and everyone's lives. And if she were to, like, go hide in a basement, like, she needs all of them to save all of them. Yeah, she just has been casually dropping all season about how a bunch of them are going to die. Yeah, but it's it's just true, though. It's not yeah. like she's like, and I'm fine with that. She's all like, no, that's why I'm so motivated, because I want to keep as many alive as possible. You're right. There's not, like, a good solution. But it's not like Xander says, and she she talks about you all and loves you for who you are. <laughs> In fact, they've, like, actively shown she doesn't remember which one's which. Yeah. We're getting to the point where some got to go, though. Like, even the ones with the names have to go for good drama. There's not a lot of episodes left. Yeah, that's what Buffy says. <laughs> a lot of these girls have to die for good drama. <laughs> so they go to the vineyard. Buffy, Faith, Xander, Spike, Kennedy, Rona, Amanda, the British one, some other ones. One without a name who's literally wearing a red shirt. Yeah, that's not good. Andrew is stepping away from her for sure. <laughs> They recognize that this place is a vineyard, and someone's like, oh, it's an evil vineyard. I don't know if you caught this reference. Spike's like, yeah, like Falcon Crest. Do you know what that is? Yeah, it's a drama about like a wine family. Yeah, it's a primetime soap opera. That's so funny, because he loves passions. Yeah, he loves soap operas, yeah. It was on in the 80s, but I mean, he was around. That was just a fun detail. Yeah. I hadn't heard of Falcon Crest. I had to Google it. Did you know what it was? I knew about it because I read about this episode and I read about the significance of that line. Not because you'd heard of Falcon Crest. No, I hadn't heard of it, no. Buffy's like, all right, some of us are going to go in and check it out. The rest of you guard the door, make sure no one else comes in behind us. If it's a trap, we'll yell a bunch to signal you guys to come in and help. So they go in, they pretty quickly encounter bringers. The noobs fight them pretty well. And then Caleb shows up and starts doing his half-religious poetry. <laughs> Buffy's like, shut up, I heard you have something of mine. And he's like, well, I do now. He switched accents. Also, nice to meet you, the Slayer. He seems especially interested that she contains goodness. My guess would be that's why he's not interested in Faith as much or like doesn't consider her Buffy's equal. There's like something about her being good that he's into. Mm. I, I don't know the answer to that, quite honestly. If there is something, I don't know. That, that sounds like it could be a good theory. But he says the Slayer must indeed be powerful, and then he punches her so hard, she just gets totally launched across the room, knocked out for a while, and says, so what else you got? When she goes flying, you can see Spike in the shot, and it's clearly his double. I'm guessing they just, yeah. like, didn't need to have the real actors on set for that shot. Spike goes vamp. He tries to hit Caleb. Caleb's like, nope, blocked, headbutt, wine barreled. He doesn't say these out loud. No. <laughs> like he's an anime character doing final flash, big bang attack. Swooped, grasped. <laughs> That's from Teen Girl Squad. Or the six people that know what I'm talking about. There's not, there's way more than six. There's at least like a whole wave it's... of baby. <laughs> there, there may be, there may be like eight or nine. I've maybe underestimated. A wave of babies. Uh, all right, enough with the wave of babies. A wave of babies. <laughs> 
But he does throw Spike into a like huge wine barrel, puncturing it, just spilling wine and Spike out everywhere. Spilling Spike out? Yeah, he falls out too. He doesn't stay in the broken barrel. Caleb slaps Kennedy really hard. He twists Rona's arm in a way that can't feel good. And <laughs> a Bringer almost stabs Rona, but the backup squad has showed up. And Xander shoots the Bringer with an arrow just in time. Buffy's still knocked out. Faith tries to fight Caleb. He's like, well, you must be the other one. The cane to her Abel. No offense meant the cane, of course. Ouch. Cain mm. notably killed his brother, which is a yeah. good burn because Faith tried to kill Buffy. Yeah. Faith gets wine barreled too. And he says some stuff about the Bible being too complicated. And he likes to keep things simple. Good folk, bad folk, clean folk, dirty folk. He kills Red Shirt. British one's like, no. Caleb's like, yes. Buffy finally wakes up. She's like, Xander, we got to get out of here. He's like, yeah, no shit. We shouldn't have come. <laughs> Caleb's got the British one by the throat. I think her name's Molly. He tells her he works in mysterious ways, but also some pretty straightforward ones. And then he slices her tummy as Buffy watches. Ooh. Buffy tries to fight him again. And she does manage to launch him a bit. Mm -hmm. But Spike grabs her arm, tells her they're leaving. They get the remaining girls out of there. Xander's helping Kennedy up, but then Caleb grabs him. He's like, you're the one who sees everything, aren't you? Let's see what we can't do about that. And he pokes him in the eye hard. Like he bleeds. Yeah, I mean, I think the word you're looking for is gouge. His eye's done. It's, it's no more. Yeah, I, it's, you it's don't, a gouge. I, I don't, you can't, like, fix an eye after that. Spike shoves Caleb out of the way. Buffy rushes to his side, and they get Xander out of there. But as they leave, Caleb stands up seemingly uninjured and just kind of smiles caleb narrates the end as we see buffy walking past all the carnage she caused at the hospital rona's got a big cast on xander's got an eye patch willow's there holding his hand we see other girls patching up other less injured girls back at home and then we see buffy sadly walking through a deserted sunnydale yeah i mean some people have left town but no one's out caleb says there's nothing so bad that it can't be made better with a story that's interesting, because Andrew's been telling stories. And he says there was once a woman who was foul like all women, because Adam's rib was dirty, so she was filled with darkness and despair, because she didn't know the good news. And we eventually see that Caleb is telling this to the first in the form of Buffy. And he tells her that he wants her to pretend to be Buffy and get the girls to follow her, because tonight proved that the girls will, and then he's going to kill all the girls. I don't know if they're going to follow her anymore, Caleb. Yeah, right. And that's it. What'd you think, Brian? Is this a good one? Yeah, this is a good episode. Uh, I really hate the first part of this episode with Caleb in the car just because of how bad it looks. And I hate that we are introducing Caleb this late in the show. I think that is super problematic storytelling wise. Yes. So I, I really like some of this. Mm -hmm. Rewatching it, I feel like it made more sense knowing where it goes. There's yeah. still a lot of questions about who this guy is. But the concept of there being like a physical being that works for the first that actually like talks. Yeah. Is interesting. Cause like the bringers and the Turacon don't talk, right. but it's such a late intro and there was like no indication that there would be this kind of thing. Yeah. It's a very late introduction of a very complex character. Again, in a season where the characters that we love don't get to do much. Like it feels like we're wrapping up and now there's this whole new thing that kind of came out of nowhere. He also, he, he takes credit for all the stuff that happens. It sort of justifies, like, I've actually been running things this whole time. Yeah, it feels very Cordelia and Angel, Beastmaster. 
And it just seems like, okay, well, there were no hints dropped throughout the season that there was a human running this. I assumed it was the bringers being told to do this by the first. It almost makes the first seem less powerful. Yeah, why couldn't the first organize some of this stuff? But then also this character, like, is super strong. And we, we, we get a justification for that later. But, like, why is he so strong? Like, it's never explained in this episode. And it's also not like, why is he strong, guys? It's just He just is. I have a theory that he's maybe somehow Slayer adjacent. I don't know. It just seems like it could be a thing since, like, the history of Slayers and the lineage yeah. of Slayers is so such a big theme this season. But a couple things I will say about this episode, okay? So it's it just, just reiterating, it's awful that they're like, what are these cool villains behind it all showing up, like, in the last five episodes? Like, what are you talking about? Like, could we have teased him at least until now? Mm-hmm. Do we need this guy? Why can't the first just be awesome? And he's not that um, cool. Like, Spike was kind of a random, new, out-of-nowhere villain. But he was freaking interesting and cool. Yeah, who showed up in episode, like, three or four, though, of the season. So, like, that's a fine time to introduce a big villain. This guy's, like, not that fun. (laughs) And he's here so late. Couple things about him, though. So, I really do enjoy this idea that he, like, is using the first to, like, reenact these killings he's done. I think that's, like, incredibly good creepy writing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this guy's creepy and messed up. I liked all that. And I was like, oh, I wish we had done this earlier. Like, yeah. show me this. Like, I want this villain to be cool. And that's a cool, like, little thing he does that's creepy and disgusting and, like, evil. Even the first is like, damn, dude, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. But, like, his, like, preachery stuff, quite honestly, doesn't do it for me. I kind of don't like his little poetry bullshit. And, like I said, it's just sort of out of nowhere. Like, yeah, I run it all. Like, what are you talking about? So, and it's weird, like, he follows the Bible, but doesn't, I don't know. It seems like you wouldn't follow the Bible at all, if you, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, I'm interested to see more about his history, because it's, like, clearly so much a part of his identity that he's, like, hanging on to, but he doesn't believe in it. Yeah, at least not the way it's written. I'm interested to see where this goes, but I'm, it was upsetting. That aside, though, I love Faith coming back. Yeah, Faith coming back was good. I love Faith coming back. She uh, is one of my favorite characters, and I like the redemption arc. And I also just like that Buffy isn't like, I'm super happy that you're here. Like, she's not, but like, she knows she needs to. They've set up the season that Buffy's big on like, it's all or nothing. You know what I mean? Like, she's learned in heaven. Like, people die. I don't want them to die, but they'll go to heaven if they're good people. And I think my people are good people. She doesn't say that, but I think that's the underlying idea of why she can do this. Or like, doesn't, you know, it's like people die. That's what happens. So I like this whole Faith coming back. I like Faith uh, having some scenes with Spike. It's also that scene where Buffy comes downstairs and she's clearly like flirting with Spike and Buffy's like not super pumped about it because Faith has been like sleeping with all of Buffy's exes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, or at least trying to. I also liked that Buffy's plan fucking backfired because the whole season she's been like jump first, ask questions later. We've talked about every episode this season about her making a rash decision because she's like, it's all or nothing. And she does that again and it backfires bad. People get killed. Xander loses an eye. And I'm just glad that it's not like every decision Buffy makes is the perfect right decision. It's like, nope, you probably shouldn't have done this. Also, there's another thing they've introduced in this episode, which I don't want to go into in depth. But it's another super late introduction that's like, why couldn't this have been teased much earlier? Why is this being teased now? Did I miss it? It has to do with something Caleb says. Okay. Caleb says to Buffy, I have something of yours. Mm -hmm. And he says this is a trap. But... Is it a trap? Does he have something of hers? Because then he says, I do now. So maybe I thought he meant like he's got the girls now. 
Yeah. There's more to what he said, and it's a very late introduction. Okay. Yeah. And quite honestly, it's quite cool what they do with it, but like, it's sort of like, this is, it's almost like you guys got to the last five episodes, you're like, all right, let's figure everything else out now. Almost like you were just writing the season without really a clear ending, and then now you decided to do it. Yeah, because it felt like they were treading water in the middle a lot. We talked about that. Yeah, and um, you'll see what I mean when we get this whole thing introduced, but I feel like this season has introduced quite a lot in this last part, and this whole season has been building to this ending, so I don't see why they couldn't have sprinkled this in earlier. Anyway, a lot about the episode I like, but overall, which one do we think was better? I don't know, man. I feel like Buffy is like a more intense, high-stakes episode, but I was like upset about this dude after first watch. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going Gilmore. It was a really good Gilmore. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I liked the Gilmore a lot. I didn't like Caleb, but I really liked Faith coming back. I liked all that. I know, I that's Buffy's great. Buffy's plan falling apart. I just liked, I, I liked that last scene where they're all kind of like getting bandaged up and it's like, this, this was not good. Should we tie it? We've tied it before. Let's tie it. Do you feel that way? I, I do. I, I thought Gilmore, the whole Hay stuff was all really good. It's not like the most amazing Gilmore ever. Like I said, it wasn't a super funny Gilmore. There's episodes of Gilmore where it's like, holy shit, that was a great episode start to finish. Right. And there's not a lot of fault with it, but I don't. it's not like one of those standout yeah, totally. memorable episodes. Agreed. But I feel like this Buffy has flaws, but it also has really good strengths. Yeah. Um, okay, we've set precedent that we can tie, so. We're tying. We're tying. Well, if you guys want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 7, Episode 19, Empty Places. Is that like the Lee Miz song? Empty chairs and empty tables? Uh, yes. They just, it's a musical, another one, but it's just oh. it's so bad, no one ever references it. <laughs> Can't wait. As well as Gilmore Girls Season 7, Episode 19, it's just like riding a bike. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. What were your initial thoughts of Caleb? Did you make the connection that Lorelai and Logan have done similar things by rejecting privilege and following their own path? What kind of booth would you have at the Stars Hollow Spring Fling? Do you think Michelle and Caleb could have a really long conversation about dirty girls and dirty trains? Are Faith and Spike going to hook up? I feel like they might make an okay couple. So I read that that scene was like to maybe set up a, a spinoff with the two of them, but that's not what happens. She's definitely going to die. We got to kill big names now. Why do you keep saying that she's going to die? She's fine. The lineage. She's fine. She didn't get an eye poked out. I don't know the truth here, but it just seems like a huge offer that she should die. I like Faith. I understand that. I will say we will see the last of a character in the next episode. Hmm. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not saying if anyone dies. I'm not saying who. I'm just saying there's a very well-liked character who will not be in any more episodes after the next one. Okay. Well, let us know your thoughts. You can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches, and more. Or you can send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an EY. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Stacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, host monthly live stream watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. For more non-podcast content, please be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing by the link found at the bottom of our episode description or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and we'll give you a shout-out in an upcoming podcast. Let's go to Fart City, where the farts are free.
about the Party City lights that say Fart City due to a malfunction. And I DM'd Party City expressing my concern. A few of you guys commented on this video letting me know. Uh, I, I just went, I just typed Fart City and hit the first video that came out. I thought it might be fun. Yeah. It did seem like it was going somewhere and then it did not. Okay, so no, none of these are working out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we tried something new and now we're going to uh, get copyright violations. Um, have a good week, everybody. God, this cereal has just ruined my insides. Have a good week.